0: Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of the Speakeasy Project podcast. I'm your host, Jagat Maitan. For today's episode, we'll continue to talk about developments in the airport space intended to serve Metro Manila in part 2 of our conversation with infrastructure specialist Jerome Cachot. Enjoy the show. Speakeasy
1: Project is a podcast that covers the business topics that matter to you today. Listen with ease to authentic conversations with thought leaders and industry experts to learn about the key issues, insights, and trends that could impact your daily life. Join your host, Jay Got My Ten, and get down to the essence of what you need to know.
0: So from last week's episode, I'm starting to get a better idea where these airport developments are going to be in. Both likely to be in the north, outside Metro Manila. I'm wondering, are there similar airport setups around the world? And I also can't help but think about what are the implications when both these airports are operational? How will my routine as a traveler change? Let's get back to our chat with Jerome Cachot. Jerome, so what's the ideal configuration for a dual airport solution?
1: I would definitely uh, opt for uh, for, uh, something in the north, something in the south. Having said that, now we have two airports in the north, and for sure they're going to compete with each uh, with each other. The configuration of Clark will be completely different if it's only focusing on the local catchment area of Angeles and all uh, the whole areas, or if it becomes part of Manila's gateway activity or hub activity. It's, it's a completely different uh, outline, and same for Bulacan. They, they will have to uh, take into account the fact that there's an airport. Uh, Clark, that's, that's that can be used uh, as a hub. Something to keep in mind, also something very specific uh, to the uh, to the Philippines, is the fact that although you have a gateway into the city, a lot of people coming to the Philippines are not really interested in the capital city. A lot of people, especially uh, uh, tourists, are more interested in traveling on to uh, other places. And this is, by the way, the reason for the success of uh, Mactan City International Airport. They uh, turned Cebu into, into a hub, including a platform from which you can access all the places. So Mactan Cebu itself, and especially Magdan Island, is a very attractive place. But then they used it also to, with uh, the uh, partnership of the airlines, be able to fly uh, inside the country. So you don't have to go through Manila, which is uh, uh, everybody's nightmare at the, at the moment. So... When you design the gateway, the Manila gateway, you have to think also that a lot of people are not interested in Manila. They are, inter- they are interested in traveling on to a lot of, of places. That reinforces the fact that you don't necessarily need an airport to be in the city. So, not all of them, but a lot of people won't even see the city or won't be interested in seeing the city.
0: You know, I'm thinking about it. These airports are already here, whether today it's Clark and Naia, and in a few years from now it's Clark and Bulacan when Naia is phased out. What have you seen in other countries where? Two international airports coexist to serve a mega city or, or a large catchment area?
1: Uh, and here the answer is it's an easy answer is that anything's possible. You, you Really, you, you would see any kind of, of situation. You can have a situation like in London where they have six international airports, in Paris, there are two. You, you can see uh, yeah, yeah, places like, like Istanbul and, and uh, used to have. Uh, one then they closed it they opened another one this is you can really see any kind of any kind of situations or anything's possible and then you can have a model like you see in some cities like Toronto for example where you have a big airport international airport in uh the suburbs quite remote from the center it's possible and an airport in the in the city center and that that again that happens in, in a lot of places and and very often the, uh, the airport the city center is a legacy airport. It's an airport that was there before the city then expanded, expanded and reached, <laughs> uh, became or uh, engulfed the, uh, the, the, that, that facility. The thing though is that you need to be able to plan. Because again, you can design your airport for 2 million, 5 million, 10 million, 50 million passengers. Of course, it would be a different airport, but you, you can design and configure it for it. But what you don't want to do, and nobody in their own good mind could do, is uh, configure it for 50 million and end up with 20. That's that's not what what you want to do as a as an investor, and it is not what you want to do as the public authorities either, because you don't want the project to fail again. It's the image of the country. It's uh, it needs to be successful. It needs to to look good. So, and this this whole instability in the business models is is very very very. Uh, uh, unnerving, I think for 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 investors. and especially for this kind of big projects, you need foreign investors or foreign at least foreign operators. you need you need a bit of uh, foreign know-how. so the, the good thing with the Philippines is that a lot of very good uh, investors, very good infrastructure developers in the Philippines already, and that's a big asset of the country which which the uh, the country should uh, should use more. I'd right? say so that you also need, especially for very big projects, you also need some foreign participation. And obviously, you need visibility. And if your airport can go anywhere from 10 to uh, 100 million passengers and, and you, you're taking the risk, that's, that's a bit of an, of an issue. You need to provide this visibility.
0: Well, Jerome, I, you know, I'm thinking just from a person living in Manila, right? I mean, I can go to Ngaia and take 40 minutes. But if I go to Clark, which may be around two, two hours in Bulacan, which is an hour and a half, Barken Bulacan is already far for me, so I would think that it still makes sense to have a city airport, right?
1: For the moment, I, I can't see uh, I can't see any uh, other option than than, than keeping Naiya. So, first, there uh, for the moment, there's no other airport except Clark, is very far and uh, not yet fully reachable by public transport. And even then, there's the issue that I mentioned: is of uh, how do you do when you come from the south? Now, the question comes can come up and it's, and it's a question that a lot of uh, places has, have asked themselves is, is having an airport in the city center too much of a nuisance? and you need to, to move out. Uh, let's remember that uh, of course it were very very different times and very different level of uh, of traffic but the uh, the airport the Manila airport used to be in Makati right <laughs> in, what, what is now the Ayana triangle so and that it moved out of the city because you need more space. And also it was, uh, it was uh, uh, a, a reason. So you, you always want to, to concentrate out. Something to keep in mind and, and really in, in planning is that you always, in all pieces of infrastructure, it's true of airports, but it's true of anything, is you need to reach the right scale, okay? Scale is fundamental. So your airports cannot be too small and you need to make sure that, that they are not uh, too big. So meaning that they are constrained in their, in their, in their expansion. So the path I could see, and, and, and again, again, if it's possible, the path I could see is you keep NAIA for a while, you improve it because <laughs> a lot can be done. And it's not necessarily very, uh, very large investment that needs to be done. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit uh, to, to fix it you you keep it for as long as it's uh, it's necessary
0: and definitely i have to agree with you there jerome that you know Naia needs to be fixed up because you know if if the direction is really to phase it out when bulacan opens up we still have to wait around 5 to 7 years for that so we have to do something in in the interim right you know until that new gateway comes up
1: yeah absolutely that's uh and that's, that's really what's very, very disappointing. Uh, I was, I was uh, very uh, enthusiastic in my opening statement about the Philippines, about the things that things are moving, people are all gung-ho and, and all. And that's, that's the nice side of it. What's not as nice is the fact that I often have the feeling that the country is not keeping pace. There's a window of opportunity for, for the country, uh, being an emerging country, is that it's very attractive. And I remember we, uh, we, and I I know even here, a lot of people put the Philippines on their radar screen. A lot of investors and uh, market players see Southeast Asia in general, and the Philippines in particular, as a very attractive place. And that requires heavy investment infrastructure that also uh, keeps pace with the, with people's expectations. And that's that's really where the country has been, has been lacking. And it's always been a bit of a puzzle to me because... Certain in a certain issue of money, if you see some uh, poor, low-income countries, they have with difficult governance, they have difficulties attracting uh, investors. That's why development banks are very active there. The Philippines doesn't doesn't have that issue. There are a lot of uh, of a lot of liquidity, lot of appetite. Also, all the consortia have a very genuine interest in in seeing the country develop, in having this middle class developing so so they are they are ready they are they are, they are, re- they are ready to support the products but projects were not moving and it's not on airports right? uh, public transport and all all was very 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 slow and naya is not better off than it was six years ago some improvements have, have, have been made but it's still a long way and and people don't see an improvement it is also it creates frustration and again Uh, The window of opportunity is not, and as we know from COVID, those windows of opportunity, they they don't necessarily last, they don't necessarily last long. So you need to to entertain, to sustain this this virtuous circle in the development of a country and having top level quality in infrastructure can help you maintain this, uh, this momentum.
0: Jerome, before we let you go... What are the things to consider in building a new international airport? I mean, it's highly possible in the future that emerging cities like Davao or Iloilo might need to expand their existing airport or build a new international airport.
1: Yes, a very good question. Uh, When we talk about the future, as you know, there have been some developments in this sector, uh, recently innovation sector, and they need to be taken taken into account in any uh, sort of planning. So... And those are twofold or threefold because there is the, let's say the the, the general trend that I was describing earlier, which is a Philippine uh, island country, fast growing, emerging middle class, low cost carriers. All these means expansion, tremendous expansion of of uh, air air traffic. So there is this momentum, but then there are two forces holding holding it back potentially. One is COVID. We've uh, we've seen that. So that one, and and I remember when we were doing our traffic forecast, we've always factored in the fact that there could be a a new uh, SARS event. That could be.
0: Hopefully not.
1: (laughs) But nobody had expected at the time that it would be to that extent, that everything would would shut down. And not only that, but for a long period of time. I think that's what really is, uh, and everybody was hoping that 2021 would be better. Uh, So it's not Uh... the case, but...
0: It's still early. It's still early. <laughs> it's still early, right? Yeah, you're right. And so, so it's taking
1: much longer than we thought. So, if even if, and we'll talk about the other factor, but it means that the recovery that will be a recovery, but it's going to be very, very, or it's going to be slower than we than we think. The other, the other aspect is is climate change, and uh, and it's one of the uh, one of the illustrations of what I was mentioning earlier about the fact that. The, uh, it's often striking how the the, the discussion is completely different in, uh, in in different places of the world and uh, and and, and, for, and for example you know in europe this whole movement uh, of the come my swedish is not uh, appropriate but that's the fact of um, shaming people to fly for especially for short haul flights uh, after after covid There needs to be some conditions to it, and one condition is that they stop uh, short-haul flights. So there's this whole discussion to constrain the uh, aviation industry. That's in the in the the background, and that potentially will have a a, a large impact uh, all over the world, including including in the Philippines. But remember, so that the Philippine driver of of, uh, potential traffic growth is, is tourism. Something that is quite striking about the Philippines that shows that it's a very, very uh, attractive place, and yet the number of visitors is relatively small. You have eight, nine million people coming uh, uh, per year, compared to Thailand. In twenty nineteen, again, before COVID, twenty nineteen was 40 million, 40 million in Thailand, uh, not even ten in, in in the Philippines. So, so just just to give an idea of uh, of the uh, of the, the magnitude of of development that could see that the tourism industry could see in the Philippines. But you will see more and more backlash against uh, against uh, against that. There's all, let's say, uh, awareness in the uh, in the in the Western world about about traveling traveling long distance, etc. So that's that puts another uh, another question mark. And uh, it's I think it's really really a tricky uh, a tricky question because. I don't see why the Philippines should not be authorized to to, to, to develop and, uh, and 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 tourism is one one of the attractive place to start with but uh, there are limitations uh, limitations there so that's something to take to account when you look at the uh, at the future having said that again the, the in the Philippines airports are essential they're, they're, they're essential
0: yeah hopefully we're. You know, slowly but surely we're we're gonna get there, <laughs> because the country, as you said, needs it. It makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, if you want to uh, further develop your economy and and the country. And anyway, we thank you, Jerome, for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> we we hope you can come back to the show and share your views on Philippine infrastructure. I think you have a lot to say and, and more to share with us.
1: With uh with uh, with with uh, with pleasure. And again, it's always uh, it's a country that is that's dear to my heart and infrastructure is a sector that's dear to my heart. So it's uh, it's a good mix.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jerome. Take care and stay safe. You too. Bye-bye, Jay. Thank you for listening to The Speakeasy Project. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time,